May I speak in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. So when I was in the discernment process to become a priest, um, then Bishop Smith, for whatever reason, decided that it would be a good idea to send me out to the Hopi Reservation for a year to teach at a little mission school. Um, now, he fondly supposed that this little mission school was run by the Mennonites. Um, what he did not know was that the Mennonite church had taken a step back from their mission to the Hopi, uh, which left a vacuum. And you can probably imagine the kind of person who was attracted by a vacuum to a little tiny mission school in the middle of nowhere on an Indian reservation. Um, so needless to say, I was quite out of my element on the Hopi reservation, um, not because of the native people, but because of the missionary community I was living in. And I'll come back to them because it was a very interesting experience to try to be part of a Christian community that thought they were there to save elementary school children from the worship of what they called Satan and demons. In other words, these children's own culture and religion. Um, I was hired to teach music and art and to direct chapel, so I had to teach these little babies chapel every day before lunch with all of their teachers sort of sitting in the background glowering. Um, so like I said, we'll come back to that. But what I wanted to tell you about today was the story of something that happened to me while I was there. Um, and it only happened to me because the beloved principal of the school from a few years before I got there came back to visit. And some of the people invited her to a ceremony in Akiva. Now, for the Hopi, they have their ceremonies out on the public squares, and they call us pahanas. It means white brother when it's said in a nice tone of voice. Um, pahanas are allowed to watch those, but the real ceremonies take place usually at night and down below the village plaza in Akiva. Um, and so she was invited to one of the ceremonies in the Kiva, and she asked me and a couple of the other teachers if we wanted to come too. So we got to sort of ride her coattails into an experience that we never otherwise would have had. And it was amazing, and I can only describe it as being in the middle of a beating heart. I don't know what the ceremony was for. Um, obviously, the singing was in Hopi, and nobody explained it, because they don't. Hopi religion is secret. Um, but something about the chanting, and the, they, they, wore, they wear bells on their ankles, so they stomp, and the bells, and the stomping, and then there's a big drum that somebody is beating, and the combination was just like the whole walls of the kiva were just sort of beating. So you're in, this, you're in the center of this beating heart that feels like it's in the center of the whole planet itself, and it's just sort of beating for the whole planet. Um, and I never forgot that experience. Fast forward about four years, it was in my senior year in seminary at Yale Divinity School, and the senior class always goes on a pilgrimage to Canterbury Cathedral in England. Um, and in Canterbury Cathedral, the whole cathedral chapter um, 
does a Eucharist every morning, just first thing in the morning, has a Eucharist, and they, they move from different chapels. And so each morning it's in a different part of the cathedral. And the morning that we, the first morning that we were there, the morning Eucharist just happened to be in the little chapel in the crypt, in the basement of the cathedral where the original pillars from the original building were. So we all went down into the crypt with the chapter. Um, and the dean, dean, dean Willis of Canterbury Cathedral said the, said the Eucharist, and it was this, it was, it was very British. It was very workmanlike, right? He just sort of, no ceremony, just said the Eucharist, and we all had communion, and, and um, it was obviously just a basic part of their morning routine. But we were down in the basement, and standing there, I suddenly felt that beating heart again. And, I thought, and, and, and it was even more profound because it was my tradition. I was standing in the beating heart of my own tradition. And I had this moment of thinking, this, this is what's important. This is what's important. This is what actually matters about everything I've been learning, about my vocation, this is why. And whatever has to happen out there, whatever political shenanigans happen, whatever power plays happen, whatever learning we have to do, whatever teaching and evangelizing and bringing people in we do, it's for this. It's for this. And without this, it wouldn't mean anything. But with this, it's worth anything that we have to do out there to enable that heart to keep beating. And for me, in that moment, it wasn't just the crypt of Canterbury Cathedral that was beating. That beating heart was wherever people were gathered together praying, wherever the Eucharist was being said, whatever little place in your home, little room or closet or favorite chair or wherever you each say your daily prayers, all of those were part of that beating heart. Now, the Hopi believe that their ceremonies are so important to the world, not just to their community, but to the world, that if those ceremonies ever stopped happening, the whole world would just kind of slide out of balance and unravel. And I think there's a lot of truth to that. I think in whatever tradition, so for us, the Christian tradition, those prayers, they actually are as important as the beat of a heart in a human being. Those prayers are at the heart of everything we do as Christians. And without that heart, none of this, none of that out there, nothing, none of that matters. It will all just slide out of balance and unravel. So we, each one of us, all of us together, each one of our communities, when we go back to our worshiping communities tomorrow morning, are part of that beating heart that holds the world in balance, that holds the world together. And so for me at Canterbury Cathedral, that was... I went on and got ordained, 
But that was the moment when I dedicated my life to that service. Because in that moment, I realized that what we're actually doing when we pray like that is we're becoming part of the beating heart of Jesus Christ himself that is at the center of the world. So I'm saying this because I think what the daughters of the king do is that important. It's that important. And we can have meetings and parties and fellowship and and all of the stuff that we're going to do in there, but the reason for that is to keep that heart beating, to keep that heart beating. And as long as one or two or three of us do, the heart of the world keeps beating. It's that important. I think that's what Jesus meant when he said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there with them. It's true. It's actually true. Okay, I told you I'd come back to the Hopi reservation because, of course, the other thing that happened to me there is I wondered why, why would you want to be a missionary <laughs> if you're not there to save people from their own religion and culture, right? What was I doing out there as a Christian? They had their own beating heart, clearly. They did not need mine. No heart transplant surgery was necessary. So what was I doing there? I never could articulate it at the time. I knew that it had something to do with the gospel and something to do with love, but I could not figure out why you would want to evangelize anybody if it doesn't mean you're saving them from hell. So, fast forward again through seminary, and I don't know exactly when I realized this, but at some point in seminary, in chapel, we read the Great Commission. And I thought, I think, hi, I think we've gotten this wrong. I think we've gotten the Great Commission wrong. What if What if we were not called, ooh, that's what I did. Ah, I missed a bit of the story. So back on the Hopi reservation, we had a second grade teacher who loved his students, loved them. But as he told us in a staff meeting one time, he knew that they were basically just little walking automatons until they accepted Jesus Christ. These little second graders with their own culture and religion. He loved them. But not enough to see them as people in their own right. So I thought of that. I thought of him. We read the Great Commission, and I thought of him, and I thought, we've gotten this wrong. We've gotten the Great Commission wrong. What if we were not called to be the conquerors of the world in Christ's name? What if we were called to be its servants in Christ's name? What if go and make disciples of all nations meant going out and finding Christ in those nations and serving Christ in those nations? 
rather than trying to bring our version of Christ to those nations and forcing that on them. What if we got it wrong? What if we were meant to be the servants of the world for Christ and not its conquerors? And what if we were, what we were meant to do was to bring the love of Christ to all people in that way? And so again, I'm telling you this story because I think your work of service and evangelism is also that important. Because we've tried to be the conquerors of the world, haven't we, instead of its servants, and it hasn't gone well, and it's actually alienated a good portion of the world from Christ. We have healing work to do. We have love to bring. We have Jesus to bring back to the world as the servant and the lover of the world, and not its conqueror. And I think if we can marry those two things, I think this, this, this order is set up to do that. If we can marry those two things, that beating heart at the center, the prayer for the world, and bringing the love of Christ as servants of the world, if we can, if we as this order talk about reigniting, right? If we can reignite this order in those two ways that are so fundamental and foundational to what this order already does, we could do something really amazing, and it would be slow and quiet, almost unnoticeable, almost taken for granted, just like your heart beating right now carrying oxygen through your body. We can be that beating heart, slow and quiet, breathing our prayers and breathing the love of Christ throughout the world. Amen.